Well, Door Creek Church family, happy New Year's Eve to you. Uh, When I think of New Year's Eve, I think of New Year's Eve resolutions. Maybe you can relate to that. Uh, And I have a love-hate relationship with New Year's Eve resolutions. Um, I love them because I believe that people can change. Uh, I believe that God's mercies are new every morning. I certainly believe there are things in me that need to change. Um, But I hate them because I've never figured out why January 1st is any different than January 17th or October 3rd, whatever power or motivation they're supposed to be on January 1st. I sometimes feel like I can't quite tap into that, but but I still make New Year's resolutions every year. Uh, One usually has to do with my health. I remember one year, and this is unfortunately a very true story, uh, I remember one year uh, making a resolution that I wanted to do 20 sit-ups and 20 push-ups every day. Uh, It didn't seem like a lot, but I thought that if I could just do a little bit every day, that would move me toward health. And so I remember waking up on January 1st and rolling out of bed to do sit-ups and I did my first setup and I'm like, this is going to be great. I kept doing my sit-ups. I'm going to do this every day. And then by sit-up four, I was thinking, am I really going to do this every day? I've never done, you know, and and then by sit-up number seven, I was like, you know, I'm not going to do this every day. I'm done. And I just stopped. Uh, I didn't even make it to January 2nd on that resolution. I didn't even make it to the push-ups. I made it to sit-up number seven. And that's a cautionary tale uh, for me. Uh, Another resolution usually has to do with being the father or husband that I want to be. I'll usually have a a resolution related to my spiritual health and something related to study and reading. Um, But all of these have to do with with, with me becoming the me that I want to be, uh, changing bad habits, starting good habits, uh, changing attitudes, changing actions. If, if I could begin to change myself into the person that I want to be, what would those baby steps look like? And then can I be consistent in those baby steps? And that's usually how I think about New Year's resolutions. Uh, but the critical flaw in that thinking uh, is that what if the me that I want to be is different than the me that God is creating me to be. Uh, Not that there's anything wrong with with physical health or reading plans or date nights, um, but I just have this feeling that if I were to ask, how does God want to grow me this new year? I might land on some different things than than I normally come up with. So I want to encourage us today with two questions. Uh, How can I grow into the disciple that God is calling me to be? And how can we grow into the church that God is calling us to be? And of course, those two questions are interconnected because as we grow individually, that strengthens our church family. And as our church family grows corporately, then that allows us to find opportunities for growth and maturing. So so we're going to talk a little bit about where we are And where is God calling us to be, uh, both at the individual level and at the church level? Uh, So today is going to be a little interactive. It's going to be a little different. It's going to be practical. Don't think of it so much as a sermon. Uh, Think of it as an invitation to reflection and hopefully action. My prayer is that tomorrow uh, you wake up with some resolutions for your spiritual health that have better staying power than my sit-up resolution had. So uh, when we look at the trajectories of of grace and faith in our life uh, as individuals, as a church family, it's, it's always good to have a sense of where we're starting from. Which just leads to the question, how would you know where you are spiritually? Uh, What are the ways that you would self-assess your spiritual health? Uh, How would you think about where you are right now and uh, where you were a year ago 
and wondering about if you are more spiritually alive or joyful or gospel-centered or mature in your faith. It's not natural for many of us to live the kind of life that has the level of self-reflection that allows us to answer those questions too easily. Um, As far as individual spiritual health self-assessment, I've been greatly helped by Donald Whitney's book, 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. For the last year or so, I've made it a monthly practice to do a deep dive into one of those questions. I just want to share them with you um, because I think they're great for our reflection as well. Do I thirst for God? Do I still grieve over sin? Am I a quicker forgiver? Am I more loving? Am I sensitive to God's presence? And I, am I concerned for others? Am I governed by God's word? Do I delight in the church? Are the spiritual disciplines important to me? And do I yearn for heaven and to be with Jesus? Um, I've created a little self-reflection sheet for you. Uh, You can find it by clicking on the QR code or by visiting doorcreek.info and clicking on the folder latest message, and you'll be able to work through some of these questions. I want to encourage you to, to print it out and to use it as a conversation starter with the Lord as we head into this new year. Uh, you might want to take the next 10 days and do one question each day, um, or maybe you want to spend extended time with one of those questions that, that has really bubbled up that you think the Lord might want to meet with you regarding. Um, some of us journal. These are really fruitful questions for journaling. And if you want a deeper dive, I would encourage you to just buy the book, Donald Whitney, uh, 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. Um, So that's a good place to start, a simple resource to figure out where we are individually. How about as a church family? How in the world would we figure out where we are as a church family when it comes to our spiritual health? Uh, I want to share with you some conversations that we've been having among uh, leadership. One of the things that I've done in the last couple months to kind of take our pulse and figure out where we are as a uh, church family is to ask about the eight values of Door Creek Church. Um, These are important to us. You can find these on the website and hopefully you can find these in the way that we share our life together. Um, The first is a life of worship, worshiping God in all of life. And then the Bible's authority, centering our lives on God's truth, the richness of community, growing together as a Christ-centered church for all people, a joyful witness, sharing and living the good news, compassionate service, humbly extending Christ's compassion, justice, and mercy, intentional training, preparing and releasing God's people for ministry, persistent prayer, devoting ourselves to pray continually, and contagious generosity, excelling in the grace of giving. And I asked our staff, I asked our stewardship board, I asked a bunch of people who called Door Creek Home, probably a hundred people, which of these two values do you think are really strengths of ours right now? And which of these two values do you think are growth areas for us as a church? Um, And I want to share with you the results. But before we do that, um, I want to invite you to just press pause and maybe uh, think about that with whoever you're gathered with. Uh, Which of these eight values are strengths of our church family right now? And which are growth areas? We'll be here when you get back. Pause and unpause. All right. Excellent. Uh, Here's what we said about ourselves. Our self-assessed current strengths include the Bible's authority. That was number one. And then tied for second was both the richness of community and compassionate service. 
The growth areas that we self-assessed include persistent prayer. That was our highest growth area, followed by intentional training. And, and I wonder, that's what we say about ourselves. Does that resonate with you? Um, so that gives us some information to, to think about together, to pray about together, to brainstorm together. How do we continue to build upon the strengths where God is so clearly at work in our church family? And what are some ways that we can give fresh attention to growth areas? Where is God inviting us into deeper discipleship? into deeper fruitfulness. Uh, you've seen some of the ways that we as a church family have been leaning into a time of prayer. We're going to talk about more, more about that in a second. Um, but we've also started thinking about intentional training and what that might look like as we head into this new year. Uh, I would love to teach a two or three week class on evangelism um, and take the materials that we use for the course that I teach at Trinity and bring that to our church family is a great way to kind of sharpen us and grow us. So maybe that's something that you can keep your eyes out for. We've also talked about streaming the EFCA theology conference and maybe gathering whoever might be interested to come and, and experience that together and discuss some good evangelical theology. So, so we're excited about how the Lord is leading us into this new year and, and, uh, invite you to keep your eyes open for some of these opportunities. Okay, so we've talked about how we figure out where we are, um, but I want to know, uh, I, I want to turn to some specifics. What does it look like to grow as we head into this new year? What are some action steps? Uh, I want to give you three things to reflect on, uh, three things to be obedient to, three things that I, that I hope are front and center as we think about spiritual health and heading into 2024. Growing in our time with God in prayer, growing in our time with God and his word and growing in our time with God and his people through worship. Um, so let's start with prayer. Uh, are you curious about the prayer habits of Door Creek Church? Um, I think prayer is one of those things in church life where you just assume that if someone comes to church, they have a healthy prayer life. And if you're like me, you just assume that people are better at prayer than you are. You don't, you don't feel like you're particularly a good prayer, whatever that means. Um, you just assume that, that people are further along than you are and you live with this low-level guilt that you wish you were better, but you just frankly don't know what to do about it. Wouldn't you love to know if that's actually the case? Now, what, what are the rhythms of prayer for Door Creek Church? What are the struggles that we have with prayer? What are the questions that we have about prayer? What would it look like, like to shine some light in those areas? And so what I want to do, I've, I've created a little survey for you, uh, for our church family, an anonymous place for you to share your response to some of that. Just a few questions. Um, it's going to take maybe three to five minutes. And I want to encourage you to honestly fill it out. And if you honestly fill it out, what we're going to do is gather those responses and share them next week when we kick off our new sermon series on prayer. And so you can find it by again, clicking on the QR code or going to doorcreek.info and clicking on the folder latest message. Uh, make sure that you take that survey. This is going to be really interesting to see where we are. Door Creek Church is in the middle of a wonderful season of leaning into prayer in fresh ways. Uh, you may know that our ministry leadership team went to a conference on prayer, and we've been reading a book and discussing it since then. Uh, we had a great night, uh, a night of prayer, where the whole church family came together, and, and we just 
shared our thanks uh, and had a great night of being together. We had a brainstorming session where about 35 of us gathered to think about prayer and ways that we can grow in this value of persistent prayer. Um, and, and as I said, we're heading into a sermon series on prayer that we're super excited about. And we've already started planning for our next night of prayer. Um, so here's some specific encouragement for you as you think about your habits around prayer. Uh, I want to encourage you to find a specific time for you to pray. Carve it out, uh, protect it. Maybe, maybe it's five minutes a day. Maybe for some of us it's 15 or 20 minutes or even more. Uh, maybe it's the first thing that you do in the morning or the last thing you do before you go to bed. Or maybe it's a great way during lunch break to connect with the Lord. I think a lot of our prayer life most naturally is, is uh, kind of pray on the go. In the busy of the hustle and bustle of life, we just kind of shoot up these prayers to God. And, and those are great prayers. That's a lot of my prayer life. And, and God hears those prayers and responds to those prayers. Um, that's a great way for us to be reminded that God is with us in the hustle and bustle of life. But it always catches my attention as I'm reading through scripture uh, to see examples of people setting aside particular time for prayer prayer. Uh, So whether that's the costly decision that Daniel made, when we read he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before God, or whether that's the psalmist who writes, evening, morning, and at noon, I utter my complaints and moan, and he hears my voice. Isn't it great that the Lord always hears us? Or when we read in Acts that Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. I just, as I read verses like this, I just get this idea that prayer can be something that helps order our days, not just something that we fill in the cracks of our days with. Conversations with God can bring structure and continuity to our days in in really delightful ways. And so as we head into this new year and we get ready to kick off with our new sermon series on prayer, there's going to be opportunities for all of us to give renewed attention to this foundational spiritual practice. And what I want to encourage you to do is talk with God about the rhythms of your day and find a time that you can just set aside set aside for unhurried conversation with the Lord, knowing that he's always ready to hear our prayers. Uh, Find a time, find a place, set a reminder on your phone. Uh, God gives us reminders. This is helpful. We all need reminders, but resolve to find regular time to pray with God. That's one thing for you to consider. Uh, Let's move from prayer to the word. Um, Just briefly, I want to encourage you as we head into this new year to spend regular time with God in his word. And, and you can even piggyback that onto your time of prayer. I've, I've found through many conversations with lots of people that what turns someone from an infrequent occasional reader of the Bible into a regular reader of the Bible is really just a plan. A lot of us have that desire. A lot of us want to do it, um, but there's just something concrete about a plan that helps kind of nudge us toward a better practice. And I know that some of us really love plans that have boxes that we can put check marks in. So what I want to do is just recommend three Bible reading plans to kick off your new year. Um, if you don't currently have a Bible reading plan, um, just grab your Bible. <sighs> can blow the dust off of it and be ready to crack it open tomorrow morning. Um, The first one is 21 days in the Gospel of John. This is a great place to start. If you are not currently in the habit of daily spending time with God and his word, 21 days in John is a great place to start. It's a chapter a day. It's the life and teachings of Jesus. You're going to find lots of stuff to think about, to pray about, to respond to. 21 days in John would be a great way to kick off 
Um, another uh, option might be do, reading through the New Testament in 90 days. Th- this is a great plan for those of us who maybe want a little bit of a challenge and want to want to see how God is at work, how the gospel goes out uh, in the early church and, and to just kind of take the whole thing in. So if you've never read the New Testament, this might be an opportunity for you to, to read it uh, in a boot camp kind of way. It would be about three chapters a day. And I would encourage you to consider reading the New Testament in 90 days. Um, third one is reading through the Bible in a year. There are a lot of us who, have, who are followers of Jesus, and we've been following Jesus for a long time, and, and we just haven't read the Bible in its entirety. And I want to encourage you to really consider that, not as a badge of honor like I've read the entire Bible, but, but just as a, as a wonderful way to deepen your understanding of the entire salvation story from Genesis to Revelation and how God is at work communicating his love and offering us salvation. Um, Some of you might feel like this is just the time. This is the nudge that you need to really roll up your sleeves and commit to reading through the Bible in its entirety. That'll also be about three chapters a day. Um, So you can find Bible reading plans all over the place. We're going to throw these three and some additional helpful resources on the resource sheet that you can find by clicking on the QR code. I think this is the last time I'm going to say it uh, or visiting doorcreek.info and clicking on the folder latest message. Um, So the goal of spending time with God and his word is not just for our eyes to pass over words, uh, but it's for our hearts to delight in God. It's for our minds to be rooted in the truth of God's word and for our lives to be transformed by the gospel as we seek after him. If you can find a friend to read with, that will offer a little accountability and probably make it more fun and encouraging. Um, And don't hesitate to share with other people what you are learning as you read through God's word. And that's actually a great segue into our third uh, next step that I want to encourage you to think about. We've talked about growing in our time with God uh, in prayer, growing in our time with God in his word. And I want to talk about growing in our time with God and his people through our worship services. Um, Here's the resolution. I'm going to Front load it for you. I want to encourage you to make one decision about coming to church for 2024. I want to encourage you just to make one decision. Uh, and this might be the one thing that has the biggest impact on your life in 2024. Some of us get caught in the trap of making 52 decisions. Uh, 52 times during the year we say, am I going to go to church this week? Is, am I going to be able to make it? Can, can I make it fit? Um, I remember two significant snowstorms that happened on Sunday morning uh, when I was in Waupon at Edgewood Community Church. Uh, the first one was a giant snowstorm. We got the few people together that we could. There were only 15 people that showed up for worship, and we made little stickers that said, I survived the snowpocalypse of, I think it was 2012 or something like that. Um, But the second snowstorm was even worse. I remember waking up early and calling Roger, our senior pastor, um, and he didn't pick up his phone, so I drove over there and got stuck in the snow and walked over to his house and figured out what we're going to do, and we decided that we were going to cancel worship services that morning. And so we sent an email out to the church family and encouraged them to watch Saturday night service together. And I went home, changed back into my comfy clothes, made some breakfast, and we gathered in the living room, uh, popped open the computer and watched the worship service. And I remember after the worship service, I called Roger and I was like, this is bad. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, it was really quite wonderful watching this worship service in my jammies in the living room. And this is bad. Um, And the reason that it's bad is because it's so 
good. It's so easy. And, and we can get this sense that we're really a part of something, but we don't necessarily get the sense of what we're missing out on uh, by, by worshiping through a screen and not worshiping with our brothers and sisters. We lose some connection that's really important. And so instead of making 52 decisions, I wanna encourage you to make one decision for 2024. Here's what the decision is. Unless I am physically unable to join my family in worship, I will be there gathering with my church family for worship. That's the one decision that I want you to make. I really want to encourage you. Unless I'm physically unable to be there, I will be there. I don't, even, I don't have any other decisions to make throughout the year. If I'm able to be there, I'm going to be there. Uh, in Hebrews 10, we get some great insight into the importance of gathering together. We read, And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so if we're to be a church that's stirred up to love and good works, we need one another. Our worship services are the primary places that we stir one another up to love and good works. To meet together is to be encouraged. That's what this passage is saying. And so we need stirrers and we need stirrees. We need encouragers and we need encouragees. We need one another. So I wanna speak with just a little pastoral clarity and pastoral sensitivity to some different situations in different groups. First, uh, I know there are times when we are traveling. We can't be here. That's okay. I would encourage you to actually just find a church wherever you are and and go worship there and kind of steal some of their good ideas and bring them back here so that we can get even healthier. Um, I know there are times when we are sick Uh, We're heading into flu season. Uh, We want to share lots of things with our church family. We do not want to share sickness. So if there are times wherever that line is for you where you need to stay home, we understand that. Um, I know there are some in our church family who are physically unable to get here each week. Whether that's age or mobility or other challenges, I know there are many of you that would love to be here, but it's just really, really hard to get here. And what what I want you to, to hear is that we are so glad that you are part of our church family. And for the times that you cannot be here with us, uh, we would love to come to you. We would love to come visit. We would love to come encourage you. We would love to come and, and share the Lord's Supper with you. So, so please let us know if we can come and visit you and encourage you. Um, and we want you to know that not only are we praying for you, but we want you to pray for us and for our church. You have a very important ministry, even when you can't gather with us, uh, of praying for us and, and encouraging us. Um, so that's some of us. But, but if we're honest, for many of us, when we're not in church, it's often a choice. It's a choice that we make. There's some in our church family who are busy. Uh, I get it. I get it. Uh, come anyway. Right? There are some in our church family, uh, you might say, it's the only day I have to sleep in. I get it. I totally understand. This is why we have 1030 services at all of our campuses. I understand. Um, some of you are like, you don't know what it's like trying to get a two-year-old to church. Right? I mean, you can't imagine what it takes to, I get it. I really get that. And my heart goes out to those of you who have littles or have the chaos of family. Here's what I would say. Come late. You won't be judged. Come with spit up on your shirt. This is A-OK. Just come and join us. I don't mean any of this in guilt-inducing ways. I mean this in life-affirming ways. You are a part of our church family, and we miss you when you're not here. 
And you miss us when you're not here. And we want to be together with lots of grace. It's always wonderfully convicting uh, when I realize that everything on my calendar is written in my own handwriting. And I kind of live with the monsters that I create a little bit. So if the pace of your life feels a little unsustainable or, or maybe more shallow than you'd want it to be, Come talk with your church family about this. We would love to encourage one another with more sustainable and life-giving rhythms. We'd love to just pray for one another and uh, spend some time talking about some of the deeper things in life and not just the shallow things. Um, So that's some of us who are busy. Uh, Let me speak to those in our church family who see the online worship service as an equivalent to the in-person worship service. You might say, you know, I don't need to come and gather. Uh, I, can just, I can just hop online and I can get everything out of that that I need to. Um, hear your pastor say that that is not an equivalent worship service. I am so thankful for the technology that we have. I am so thankful for the teams that we have that make it possible to enjoy worship, uh, to enjoy these, these online services. Uh, I'm so thankful for that because I know there are lots of times when we are not able to uh, physically be there. Um, uh, this is a way for you to stay connected with the teaching ministry of the church, an invitation to worship, to, to stay informed on what's going on, but it's not an equivalent experience. And I don't want you to think that it is. Um, it's better than nothing by far, but it is incredibly deficient compared to coming together and gathering with your brothers and sisters and encouraging one another and stirring one another on. You are missing out on something that maybe you don't even fully realize when you're just choosing to only do online. So I just want to encourage you to get to church, whether that's Door Creek Church, whether that's another healthy church, your church needs you to be involved. So I just want to invite you that online is for when we are physically not able to be here. Um, and finally, there's, there's some people in our church family who just haven't been regular in worship for a long time. Uh, maybe you were regular and, and something happened and you made a decision to kind of take a step back and it was a decision that made sense at the time, um, but now it's been a couple months, maybe it's been a couple years and you're still not connected to a church family. Um, come back. Come back and worship with us. Come back and establish new connections. You might think, yeah, people are going to be new. I'm not... Yeah, I know what you mean. There's lots of new people. I'm kind of new around here too. So I'm learning lots of names, learning lots of faces. If it's been a long time since you've physically been here, come back. We need you. We miss you. We love you. So growing in our time with God in prayer, growing in our time with God in the word, growing with our time with God and his people as we worship together, which one of those do you want to spend some time thinking and praying about? Uh, Which one of those might be a next step for you as you think about where you are right now and God calling you into a deeper, more mature faith in him? um, What are you being drawn to? Because ultimately these choices, these decisions come down to drawing closer and abiding. And so we're going to close with a song and I just want to invite you to, 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 for that to be your prayer as you think about this new year, that you would draw close and you would abide.